podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Living the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late round quarterback, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely, 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 lovely. <laughs> Lovely co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on, buddy? I'm happy that the JJ3000 is back and uh, better than ever. Um, and uh, I have to say that I don't know if you're having this problem today, but I my socks won't stay up because I have cut the Nike swoosh off of each yeah. each sock. Um, uh, so I I you know they're they're sagging, but this is the price that we must pay. That's true. All of the elastic of uh, on Nike socks are gone. You, you, they're now they now are turned into to wristbands. Right. Yeah. And and uh, I've actually taken the, my headband and I cut out the the center, so I had to sew it back. Uh, and and hopefully that'll stay when I play tennis with my dad later. But uh, uh, it's a it's a sacrifice that must be made to prove a point, which is that you don't like an ad campaign. I think. That's that's right. I'm I'm really excited. What I'm most excited about the whole Nike thing is that more people are being turned on to New Balance, which, as we know, is the 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 brand for dads, and it's, that excites me. It's I think this is a a boon for dads and dad runners. Um, unfortunately, I do believe uh, a white supremacist group claimed New Balance as the official shoe of white supremacy. So. <laughs> Uh, we, we don't, we, we don't have that going for us, but, <laughs> but, but new balance could, could benefit dads everywhere are, are happy. That's right. That's right. Anyway, Denny, today is the week one streaming podcast. We have a meaningful podcast. Uh, what yeah. we're going to do for you guys though, we didn't have our bold predictions podcast. We understand that we apologize for that. There's been a lot going on. So how about before we get into the streamers, Denny, we just give a couple fire takes so that people lay off us a little bit. We give some fire takes and we go from there and then people can tell us at the end of the season how wrong we were. I'm I'm ready. I've embraced it. My body is ready. Do you want to go first? Sure. I'll go first. Okay. So I wrote a 15 bold fantasy football predictions article uh, over on number fire, maybe a week or two ago. Uh, one of my bold predictions was that Ben Roethlisberger would finish as a top three quarterback this season. Um, and obviously that's a bold one because he's being drafted at like QB 14. Mm-hmm. Um, but last year, so this is, there's a little narrative to this, okay? Last year over the final six relevant fantasy games, regular season games for Big Ben, he was the number one fantasy football quarterback during that stretch, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And that might be just random variants, but it also might not be because... It all happened after that week 10 game against Indianapolis, which some people might remember where everyone was high on the Steelers. They were going to destroy them. They barely did anything offensively. And after that game, the now offensive coordinator, who was the quarterback's coach, Randy Feetner, ended up going from the box up up top in the stadium to down on the field. And ever since that happened the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger started to click offensively. We know there was that turmoil with Todd Haley and Ben Roethlisberger. 
uh, and Featner kind of served as a buffer, if yeah. you will. And then on top of that, they did run a no huddle offense 5% more of the time than they did before that Featner change. Uh, given Roethlisberger's weapons, just just his situation in general, given we've already seen his ceiling, I don't think it's so crazy to think that he could be one of the few plug-and-play quarterbacks this year. I like it. Uh, also, reading, by the way, everybody, reading JJ's bold predictions column, uh, he, he he could make you believe anything. Like, uh, <laughs> like, like I, I got I got to. Well, he's going to talk about one in a minute, but. I each each one uh, each entry I would get to and I would look at the headline uh, and be like I would scoff I would scoff oh, well, this is ridiculous and then I'd read a few lines and be like oh actually it's it's completely not ridiculous and definitely in the range of outcomes <laughs> so you do a that good was job the goal. With thank you yeah um, does well, by the way does Le'Veon's presence uh, impact your your hot take on on Roethlisberger. Um, I'm going to say no because running backs don't matter. Oh, oh I, see, I, I just I wanted to hear you say it. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right, Denny, give us give us one of your fire takes. Denny's takes are unbelievable, so go at it. <laughs> it's warm. Uh, uh, Case Keenum, top seven quarterback. That's fire. And look, top seven, it doesn't. I don't really have like a great reason for saying top seven. It's just that saying a guy will be a QB one, it's like so what. You know, so what? Like that means they're useful like half the time. And um, at at the end of the year, you're not going to be like, oh, man, like this guy carried me. No, that's that's just not going to happen. So um, Keenum is a front runner. And I and I'm going to mention this later in the show. Uh, But he is a, a big time front runner when his when his pass attempts go up in losses. Uh, he underperforms big time. Okay, so last year for the Vikings, which obviously the Vikings were a good team, he was rarely in a in a bad uh, in in he rarely had bad game script going for him, and so he averaged 21 fantasy points per game in Minnesota wins last year, um, which was seven points higher than in losses. And the, and the, and you can go back through his career and see he's been excellent when game script is good. And so this hinges, of course, on Denver not being terrible. And I think that there's some reason to believe uh, with uh, with their schedule uh, and with some additions that they are they might not be terrible. So if the so this hinges on the Broncos being good uh, and and Keenum not being forced into bad game script. But I really like him. I told I told everybody last month that my fantasy equity scores uh, were just uh, kind of, kind of nuts with with Keenum's uh, uh, ceiling. So that's my that's my uh, my first take is Keenum is a top seven guy. Definitely some fire there. Uh, my second bold prediction and final bold prediction is that Chris Hogan will outscore Mike Evans. I, this is the one that made me upset. Of course, it, it, you're a Mike Evans truther. It made me, it made me upset. <laughs> of course it did. I'm I'm on the opposite side of the Mike Evans spectrum as you are. I know. So so we're probably going to fight over this. But it, he, yeah. he here's my logic behind this particular bold prediction. So Mike Evans two years ago was a machine. I don't. You guys might remember he saw a ton of a, a high almost thirty percent of the team's targets two years ago. But what we saw last year is that his extrapolated target share. So if he would have played sixteen games and you extrapolate it would have dropped by about 5% from that 30% mark. And you ask yourself, why? 
And the answer to that why is that Tampa Bay added Deshaun Jackson. They drafted Chris Godwin and OJ Howard. They had more weapons in that offense. And what that tells me is that Mike Evans might not be this truly elite talent like we see from an OBJ, Julio. And I don't think anyone would argue that, but Mm -hmm. Julio Jones, OBJ, Antonio Brown, guys who are going, DeAndre Hopkins, guys who are going to see elite, elite target shares year in and year out. And then this season, you have Chris Godwin, who's there, who's another year in the league, who looks great too. OJ Howard, who's probably going to take on more of a pass catching role. You have Deshaun Jackson, who they're planning on taking on a different role as well in the offense. And then on top of that, you have Jameis Winston suspended for the first three games of the season. So while, you know, you can make the argument that 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 won't do much to his fantasy production, it still could. So those are the things going up, going against Mike Evans right now. Then there's, there's Chris Hogan, who's got one of the best quarterbacks in the league throwing in the ball. New England lost Brandon Cooks over the offseason, so that makes Chris Hogan automatically the best perimeter receiver that they have. And then Julian Edelman's out for the first four games of the season, so Chris Hogan's probably going to play more in the slot or at least get more slot slaps during that that time. And even when Julian Edelman returns, uh, Hogan's still going to see decent volume in that offense because there's not many pass-catching weapons in that offense. But prior to Chris Hogan's injury last year, he was a top 10 fantasy wide receiver and on a points per game basis he was a wide receiver too and on a points per game basis during that time before he got hurt uh he was averaging almost identical points per game to what Mike Evans had last year so overall all this together i think that in their range of outcomes Chris Hogan could be a high end wide receiver too and it really wouldn't take much for Mike Evans to just slip a few spots in his ADP to finish below Chris Hogan uh, this is the one that made me mad, but then at the end of the entry, I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> it, makes, it makes sense. Uh, so my, my second extremely bold and, 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 and warm slash hot take is that Austin Safarian Jenkins, uh, who may come up later in this show will finish as not just a tight end one again, doesn't matter if you're a tight end, like a, a top 12, who cares? Top five. He will be a top five fantasy tight end, and here's this is this is bolder than the Case Keenum one, arguably. Yeah. Well, this is this is actually I would call this needlessly bold. I don't know why I'm doing this, but this, this is completely needlessly bold. Yeah, no, I mean, no, no one's looking for this. <laughs> this doesn't confirm anybody's belief about ASJ. <laughs> so, I mean, it, uh, all right. So it it goes like this. Uh, tight ends for Jacksonville last year saw 81 targets, which not great, but you know, we have to apply uh, some perspective, some context and Marquise Lee led the team with 96 targets last year. So we're, you know, um, we're not talking about, uh, a, 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 a team where there's a ton of targets available. Um, so at six, five to 64, uh, ASJ, you know, at least profiles as a really natural red zone slash end zone target, which we saw uh, when he was with the Jets and he kept having touchdowns called back, um, which didn't make me tilt at all. Um, and then there's the the prospect of uh, Jacksonville being a, at least a little more uh, balanced as far as uh, pass run goes. You know, they had 526 pass attempts last year. Um, so if they regress a little bit in that area and they can't keep the ball on the ground all the time, like they clearly want to, uh, then that create, that could create, you know, some, some more opportunity for the pass catchers. Um, 
and I just think ASJ is good. <laughs> so, so that's that's the the argument. This will require a lot of touchdowns. I I understand that, but he would not be the first uh, tight end in fantasy to to not get a ton of targets, score a lot of touchdowns, and end up as as a an upper tier kind of guy. Sure. Sure. So those are our bold takes, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed them. That's our mini podcast. There you go. Now we're now we're gonna get into the meat of the show, which is week one streamers because we made it. We're here finally. Yes. And before we do that, I need to tell you a little bit about uh, Apex Fantasy Leagues. Uh, in case in case you're still looking uh, for uh, a fantasy platform to play on this year, uh, Apex Fantasy Leagues, as we've discussed. Uh, many times in the show, uh, provides the best platform for skilled uh, fantasy footballers. And uh, that's that's because it accounts for high-scoring teams uh, in that it gives you an extra win if you're in the top half of scoring for that week. Um, <clears throat> so on, on a, a heartbreaker where you lose by, a, by a, like a point to the highest-scoring team in the, uh, in the league for that week, um, you still break even. You go one and one for that week. Um, it's it's where we play our Apex uh, uh, Writers League, and um, it's something that uh, I will I will be a truther uh, forever. And uh, so check out Apex Fantasy Leagues. All right, Denny. Week one streamers, you can kick things off. Give everyone a defense that they should be streaming. Yes. Uh, Packers defense and we may have touched on on them a couple like like last month but I'm not sure they're 10% owned right now yeah I don't know if we did yeah we may we may have not I think that was just in my head uh 10% owned uh against the Bears uh I'm I'm also 10% owned online by the way um and uh no it's, it's much higher than that it's much higher than yeah that. 69% owned uh and uh they're, they're against the Bears Green Bay is a seven and a half point uh, home favorite, which, you know, just as a reminder to everyone, I know it's been a while since we've streamed, we're looking for uh, home favorites, preferably uh, with streaming defenses. Um, so, you know, the, the game script could turn quickly against the Bears. Uh, Trubisky, whatever you think of him uh, this year, completed an ugly 59.3% of his passes last season. Uh, and in losses last season, that completion rate dropped to 57% with a five to seven touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, so that that tells us that um, when things went wrong, his accuracy dropped and we're looking for we're, we're looking for inaccurate quarterbacks who will be forced into pass first uh, positions. Uh, so this doesn't really have to do again with like how good the Green Bay defense is. They probably they probably won't be good. <laughs> they weren't good last year, but um, but I, I I like them if Trubisky has to drop back a lot uh, in this one. Yeah, I mean realistically too, Green Bay did add some pieces. I think they should be better um, at least defensively, better than they were last year. And the other thing too is that Green Bay can stop the run pretty well, mm-hmm. and uh, that that could also force the the funnel to the pass. So I I, I like Green Bay. I think they're my top streamer. The other one that the other defense you could look to is the one that we did talk about last month, which is Detroit. Um, this is going to be Sam Darnold's first NFL start. Uh, he's officially the starter for for the Jets. Uh, the Lions' defense is not great. I think Green Bay's defense is is 
not far better, but definitely better. Um, the Lions are at home. They're pretty big six and a half point favorites, so they should see a positive script. Um, and the Jets actually own the second lowest team total of the week. So overall, I mean, this is a fairly obvious streaming situation. Going with a bad defense, sure, but they're at home, they're big favorites, and they're playing against a quarterback who's never played a regular season NFL game. I think that they check all the boxes, and they're a strong play. Yes. Quarterbacks. Uh, I'll start with quarterbacks, as I have two and you have one. Okay. Um, I think that the consensus top quarterback this week, streaming-wise, Denny might disagree because he loves the guy that he's going to talk about, but uh, <laughs> I I love Andy Dalton this week. Um, it's, a, it's an offense that... Uh, is going to see a big rebound in, in offensive production. They're going to run a lot more plays. They ran the fewest plays in the league last year. They have an improved offensive line. They added assets there. Joe Mixon is a, is a great talent at running back. And then obviously John Ross is, is, has the potential to, to really break out here in year two and be a true secondary piece for, for the passing offense. So that, they have that going for them just within their offense themselves. But then you get the Colts, who probably have the absolute worst secondary in all of football, and they're playing in a dome. Uh, you know, it, it is on the road, which is not ideal. And somehow, I'm kind of surprised, but somehow the Colts are three point favorites. In this I, game. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I feel like it's easy to take Cincinnati to take the points for Cincinnati here. Um, and so I, I, I like the Bengals to, to outright win this game. Um, I think Andy Dalton has a couple touchdowns in him. Um, and you have to hope as well that the Colts can kind of move the ball too, just to keep things going and, and maybe have more of an up, up tempo pace to the game. Um, but I do think overall, Andy Dalton's the top streamer this week. Yeah. I don't know that line, that line baffles me. It, it, it was really bothering me today when I was writing up the kicker column, because it's like, how can, how can you think, I mean, like, like a, a, an Andrew Luck who hasn't played for a year and a half and, what he's he's not a hundred percent clearly I don't know I just don't get it but yeah I mean the Colts defense is horrendous probably the worst in the league I mean I I just I don't get it either uh, um uh the by the way the, the the plays the offensive snaps uh and we may have touched on this but the offensive snaps that Cincinnati had last year were abysmally low like like catastrophically low so even if you don't think much of their skill position players they're going to get a lot more plays this year yeah and, um, and yeah and for the record on a, on a game-by-game basis attempts don't really matter at the quarterback position but what you're hoping for overall is that the offense like the the, the plays run it's correlating to the team being better and if the team's being better that means that they're going to be scoring more touchdowns and touchdowns are what drives these quarterback picks yeah there you go uh so my turn we're back we are back to Case Keenum. Uh, it's all about Case Keenum. This podcast is this just all is about Case Keenum. This is the Case Keenum show brought to you by me, your Case Keenum propagandist. And <laughs> so uh, Denver's at home, two and a half point uh, favorite against Seattle. Um, uh, you know, Seattle's defense is, uh, in a word, depleted and will probably be without Earl Thomas, barring some contract a miracle in the next, what, uh, four days. Um the one 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 thing that I don't love about this game is the total. <laughs> it's a forty-two point total, implied total. So that's not great, as I have in my notes actually. So that's not great. Um, <laughs> so um, I talked about Keenum. I'm not going to harp on this again, but you know Keenum is really good in wins. So if you think the Broncos will win this one, then I think he's a good a good plug and play guy. Um, the by the way, the Seattle defense has been 
last year was ripped in in games without Earl Thomas. So. Yeah, and they they are without many many pieces from last season. So I, I think Keenum is definitely a viable option. For, probably a deeper play, at least in my eyes. Maybe not in your eyes as much. <laughs> um, so, but we'll we'll leave that at that. Yeah. Um, I I like Tyrod Taylor a lot this week. Um, if you look at what the Steelers uh, have defensively, which is not much. Um, they could get roasted up the middle. Uh, their inside linebackers are horrendous. They don't have any safeties. Um, so I actually think that that if you look at what what Cleveland has, which is a viable pass catching running back, mm-hmm. a a uh, one of the best slot receivers in the game over the last few years, who who will play more on the outside this year, but even still, who you can still play in the slot in Jarvis Landry, and then a monster of a tight end in David Njoku. Um, those three players. I mean that that. They could shred the Steelers' defense this week. Realistically, um, I think it's. I think that that game could be pretty high scoring. Um, and and like I said, I just think the matchup is there. And then obviously Tyrod Taylor has the rushing upside. Then also the line movement has also shifted a little bit since this opened, uh, favoring the Browns. Not 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 that they're favorites anymore, but I think the line has moved like a point or a point and a half mm-hmm. in the Browns' favor. Um, so I I like Tyrod Taylor as a streamer this week. I wouldn't put him at at Andy Dalton's level, just because I think Andy Dalton has a higher floor. Um, but Tyrod obviously has the ceiling with his rushing ability. Um, I was just real quick on that Brown Steelers game. I was, uh, having dinner on Saturday with, with friends and, and, uh, you know, football came up, fantasy came up. Um, they told me how much I sucked. And, uh, for some reason the Browns, the Browns came. Oh, cause there was a guy at the table was big Cleveland, Cleveland guy. And um, my friend goes, he goes, you know, the Steelers will probably win that game. But if they don't, I like the Browns. <laughs> I was oh like, God. well, that's that's bold as hell. Uh, <laughs> Super bold. We should have him on the podcast to yeah, give a bold prediction. Uh, wait, are you saying that if Pittsburgh loses that game, the Browns could win? Insane. Insane. Oh. He, would come, he, would come on, he would come on this show and say, I think... That Cam Newton's going to be the QB one, but if he is not the QB one, someone else will be the QB one. <laughs> you never know. Uh, it reminds me of um, who who was that guy on ESPN said to win in this league, you have to win. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. It was oh Trent Dilfer. I think Trent Dilfer. Oh, that's that would be the most Trent Dilfer yeah. thing to so, say. To win in this league, you've got to win. Yeah, something. that that would be that would be the most Trent Dilfer thing of all time. That yeah. would that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Uh, all right. So tight end, Denny. You have two of them. So why don't you start? Yeah. So uh, we're going with uh, two tight ends uh, with a combined four last names. Uh, there's Ricky Seals Jones, <laughs> uh, who's a. <laughs> there are two hyphens between these two players. There's a lot. There's a, a lot of last names going on. Six point eight percent owned. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones. Um, and uh sorry <laughs> um so he's playing against washington so washington was a really sneaky great tight end matchup last year yeah um they gave the fifth most uh fantasy points to tight ends despite only allowing seven touchdowns so in other words teams were not just like pouring on tight end touchdowns which are obviously unpredictable and unsustainable they were um this was coming via yards and, and receptions uh, Washington allowed uh, five plus tight end catches in 11 games last year, which I thought was a pretty stunning number. Um, so, I mean, I think I think he's kind of a 
a deep league streamer, but um, you know he's he's out there in ninety some percent of leagues. So get him get him if you're desperate. I'm super high on R. I, this is I I haven't really been vocal enough with this, but I'm like super high on RSJ this year. Yeah. Like I I own him in probably half of my leagues. Oh wow. Okay. Like to the po- point where you look at his yards per reception rate last year was the highest that we've seen of any rookie tight end since 1996. Uh, he was second in the NFL, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, in yards per route run. Um, but he only played 30-plus percent of the team snaps in two of their games. So that's the reason why he wasn't as productive as he could have been. Now he gets all the opportunity in the world with only David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald as cemented options in the passing game. So I I think RSJ is, is really, really intriguing this season. Love him in week one. Denny, since we already spoiled who the other uh, guy is, why don't you talk about him? Yeah, yeah, the other, uh, Austin Sperry Jenkins, once again. Uh, I've already talked about why I like him. I, obviously, I love him more than anybody on earth. Um, uh, but he's, uh, the, the Jaguars are at the Giants. Uh, ASJ is 25% owned. Um, so only the Dolphins last year gave up more points per game to tight ends than the Giants. Uh, the t- the Giants gave up more than six tight end receptions in seven games, which seems like a lot. Um, they also gave up 13 touchdowns. Obviously, that's what we're looking for. Uh, we're looking for the tight end touchdown, and uh, uh, very few teams were more susceptible to uh, tight end touchdowns than the Giants last year. And we saw that continue uh, in the was it the first preseason game where David and Joku's caught yeah, two yeah, yeah yeah caught two touchdowns. Uh, one of them was wide open. It looked like. The Giants just have no interest in covering the position. So um, if that's the case, then I will take ASJ. I, I, I think I really think that he's like like a kind of a top play this this week. I, I love him. Yeah, he's in a really good spot. Uh, the last tight end, we have to mention him because we mention him all the time. It's Jared Cook. Um, realistically though, Cook has a good week two and week three matchup. So keep an eye on that. If you get him for this week, I actually think that he could see a decent amount of volume in that offense in a game. That's probably gonna be a negative game script. So there's gonna be a lot of passes, which is good for pass catchers in terms of volume. Um, but then on top of that, they don't, they, they have a pretty shallow, uh, depth chart at, at pass catcher. Uh, they did sign the, uh, 33 year old or 30, however old he is, Brandon LaFell yesterday. (laughs) So, uh, Oakland now has, has Jordy Nelson, Brandon LaFell and Jared cook, uh, on their roster. Um, but, but, you know, obviously Amari Cooper's gonna, gonna see a lot of volume, but Amari Cooper's probably gonna also see a lot of Aqib Tlaib. And then also Jordy Nelson might see a lot of Marcus Peters. Regardless, they're going to see good cornerback play on the outside, and that could really funnel and push targets to the middle of the field towards Jared Cook. I think Jared Cook is a fringe tight end one this week. I think you could do a lot worse than him, which is kind of our motto. You could you could do a lot worse. You could well you could do a lot worse than this podcast. You know you could you it, could you it, could people people forget that. Yeah, I mean you could do it at least a little bit worse. I mean at you know at 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 worst. So yes. Uh, so to recap, we have ASJ and RSJ. Uh, we have Jared Cook. And then at quarterback, we have Case Keenum. To me, he's a deeper play. Uh, we can talk about it offline, though, Denny. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, God, you hate Keenum. And then, no, no, actually, I don't mind I don't mind Keenum. I just like Tyrod Taylor and Andy Dalton more. That's, that's really what it is for me. So Tyrod Taylor and Andy Dalton are the other two. And then you got Detroit and Green Bay as the defenses and guys if the saints are out there please pick up the saints oh i forgot sorry about that <laughs> but they're they're not i mean they're owned in like 72 percent of leagues but uh if they're out there they get the bucks and the browns the first two weeks of the season hopefully you were just drafting them that's what i was doing um in, in your in your leagues that 
that play defense. Yeah, man. They're like nine and a half point favorites against Fitzpatrick. Give me a break. Yeah. All right, Denny. Twitter questions. This first one's from at Cameron nine underscore web. Has Denny ever kicked a field goal? Um, I have attempted. Um, I it, it it was incredibly hard. I have to say, I I, I was attempting a fifteen yard field goal, um, and I could not get it. I could not make it through the uprights. <laughs> and so, have you tried it? I've I, well. So back in the day, man, I have. I don't think I've told this story. So back in the day, uh, so we used to play football after school every Friday, like in high school, like from freshman year, basically through senior year. So every Friday after school, we would we would play tackle football and we'd play on a field with with a field goal. So we would kick there a little bit. But then also we would play street football touch. We wouldn't play tackle there. And we would play street football on my cul-de-sac growing up. Uh-huh. And at one point I took PVC pipe and I I created, a, a, I made a field goal. So we could kick field goals on the cul-de-sac. That's awesome. So I've kicked many field goals before. I, I, I uh, so what, what is, what, what was I missing? What's the key, uh, to, to getting it like airborne? <laughs> like, in I mean, air. you can't, you definitely can't like tow it. It's right. like soccer, right? Like you don't, you don't like tow it in soccer. You gotta, you gotta just get your, get like the side of your foot under it, or like side of your foot close to your toes a little bit under yeah. it and try to try to go that way. Yeah. So, so do you, do you teach field goals at the local community college? With, huh? Do you teach how to kick field goals at the local community college? Is that? Yeah, I actually, yeah. um, now, now that I'm in Charlotte, I, I actually, I, the reason why Graham Gano got his contract this off season is because of me. <laughs> I, I taught him everything he knows. Um, uh, but yeah, I had this sweet PVC pipe field goal posts yeah. set up. And was, I, I actually, awesome. I, I filmed, uh, my, my wife who, who did not leave me for vacation, filmed me uh, kicking a football on the beach and and we put it on Twitter so if you know if folks want to see my uh my form they can they can go do that I think they're one of the replies to that tweet was um this is the least athletic thing I've ever seen <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen that video I need to check that out yeah yeah it's 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 good it's pretty good uh this next question is from at Blake underscore Griner. What's your take on Le'Veon's status and what is your opinion on James Conner's role if Bell doesn't report? Here look, people are gonna listen to this tomorrow probably, which would be Wednesday, but I'm like ninety nine point nine percent convinced that he reports tomorrow and this is all gonna be a moot point. Um but if he isn't if he doesn't report, if he doesn't play, James Conner to me is a, probably a high end RB two. Like he's 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 looked awesome in the preseason. He shed a lot of weight. It's almost like the guy was battling cancer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and had to come back and and like get back into physically good shape. He he looks like the back that we saw two years before he he left Pitt. I'm really excited for for him, and I I really hope I really really hope that he is the reason that Le'Veon Bell is truly expendable for the Steelers front office instead of them trying to re-sign him and, and get him back on the team uh, after the season's over. Yeah, I, I think that we are about to undertake the the greatest experiment ever in running back doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, uh, and and by the way, I get people in my mentions asking me, should I drop my my backup quarterback for James Conner? And the answer is yes, please, God, please yeah, drop. Do you, like I don't handcuff running backs, but I think that in this particular situation with Le'Veon Bell. It's obviously different because it's not an injury related thing. It's a it's a holdout related thing. Right. Um and and yes, you want to hold on to someone like James Conner if you if you own Le'Veon Bell right now. But like I said, I'm it it wouldn't make sense logically for Le'Veon Bell to not report. Like it it, it doesn't right. make like it would be 
I would be shocked. I mean, his teammates are saying he's he's going there tomorrow, and to, and Wednesday is the big practice day. So that's that makes sense that that Wednesday would be the day. Mm-hmm. If I'm wrong, feel free to at me and tell me I'm wrong because anything can happen. I'm just telling you guys what I think is logical. And 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 also, it doesn't to me. If you don't uh, own Le'Veon, if you don't have Le'Veon Bell on your team, uh, that's even more reason to go get yeah. James Conner. Like, drop your kicker, drop your defense, whatever. Just get get a guy like that on your team. Because who knows? I mean, if if it doesn't go the way that JJ predicts. Then, then you're then you're set. Then you're golden. So, um, I, I just it just doesn't make sense to me why people wouldn't be like automatically dropping a backup quarterback or a kicker or something. Yeah. Uh, this next question is from at number one punna. What do you hate more, people who take the full ninety seconds to make a draft pick, or people that shake and swirl their iced coffees? Uh, the swirling is annoying as hell. But I mean, the full ninety seconds is kind of torturous. I'm, I'm so I've done like, you know, live drafts. I I have three live drafts, like in-person drafts that I do now per year with, with Charlotte folk and the, the, the people, because there's no clock, right? Like no one's really paying attention when it's a live in-person draft and the people who like the, the, the person that sucks the most is the person who doesn't realize they're up to pick. And everyone's just waiting. And then they're like, oh, I'm up? It's like, what if you, like, you have literally one goal right now, and it's to draft a fantasy football team, and you have no idea when you're up. Yeah. I, why are you here is the, is the <laughs> yeah. next question. Like, what are you doing right now? Like, what could you possibly be doing right now? Um, uh, and my suggestion for people who find themselves using the full 90 seconds, um, do your homework before your pick. I mean, get yeah. ready. Get yeah. ready. Like My, av- my average time to select in, 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 in live drafts is, is four and a half seconds. I I don't, I don't ever see any reason to go beyond like, I'm going to be generous here. I'm going to say like 20, 25 seconds. Like, yeah, I, 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 let's put it this way. It would have to be, it would have to be like, like the snipe of the century for me to just be totally rattled and have to go back to the board, but get ready guys. Yes. Next question at bathroom. Ben, Take on wife using her finger for toothbrush and in, in, incentive or, or inventive or file for divorce. I mean, it's in it's inventive if if, if you're trapped in a cave for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't understand what why why would this be happening? I mean, I can understand if like you're away for a weekend and you forgot a toothbrush, but even and you're in the middle of nowhere. But in, yes, in the middle of nowhere, it's in it's the middle of the night. Yes, and you're not going out to Walgreens to get a toothbrush. And also, this is a one-time deal. The, yeah, it no. shouldn't happen. It shouldn't. Uh, finger toothbrushing should not happen for more than a day. No, if it if it's happening for 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 more than that night, then um, there's an issue. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I that it. Uh, I think that that's that's utter desperation. That's zombie apocalypse type type stuff. This next one is at somewhat feral. Best way to move: hire movers, run a U-Haul, borrow a pickup truck, or burn your house down. <laughs> you know, when you were going through the options, I was actually, I was like, oh, I have a good one. Burn your house down. Oh God, he beat me to it. Yeah, yeah. That that's actually what I usually say about taking out the recycling uh, out of our house is that uh, if I don't take out the recycling on Tuesday, we're gonna have to burn the house down. Yeah. There's no coming back from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna go to the next question. 
Okay. Next one. At Mr. Trob tweets, are deviled eggs good? I feel, I already know Denny's answer. I just have a feeling, but go ahead, Denny. They're good. They're good in the morning or like the afternoon. I, I, I don't, I don't get why people are eating deviled eggs for like dinner time. You actually are okay with deviled eggs. I, this I is, this is shocking to me. No, I, I, I am good. I, I used to not, I used to be totally grossed out. Wait, are you, are you a, a fan? No, oh, I could, I could eat, I, I, I could eat forty of them in one sitting. Why are they named that? I don't know. Someone needs to to Google it for us. Yeah, I need, I need someone. <laughs> can someone send me a link to the oral history of deviled eggs? I love that we ask these questions. It's literally just we can get off this podcast and just Google it and find the answer immediately. No, no listen, I, I'm I. I've used all my Google searches for today, so <laughs> I I need someone to do this for me. Thank you. Uh, this next one is from at Jason. Are you high enough on Dalton to suggest starting him over Big Ben this week? My answer to that is negative. Yeah, I I, I like Dalton, but Big Ben's I, I he's in a good spot. Uh, next one at Joe twenty three driver Njoku or streamer? I like Njoku a lot, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, me too. Next one, at Scott M. Boyd, short bench PPR. Am I crazy for contemplating not starting a kicker so I don't have to drop Allen Robinson, Demarius Thomas, Peyton Barber, Tevin Coleman, Alfred Morris, and Adrian Peterson? After week one, it should be clearer who to drop, right? I don't I don't really abide by that, by like like putting yourself, intentionally putting yourself at a disadvantage. Agreed. I think that look, you only have, you know, thirteen games in a regular season in most cases, sometimes twelve. Um, you can't be risking a loss like that. Uh, just drop Adrian Peterson of those guys, probably. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, you might regret it like here and there, but I don't think that's something you're you're gonna look back and be like, oh god, my season yeah, w- right. would have been totally different. Right. Uh, next question. This is actually one that I've been going back and forth with in many leagues because I drafted a lot uh, a lot of shares of these guys. It's from at West zero one two Rex Burkhead. They get Houston. Or Jamal Williams against Chicago in full PPR. I mean, for me, it's it's Jamal. I agree. I think Jamal Williams. You get the positive game script. Um, I I think that New England might use James White a good bit this week. Um, not not a ton, but uh, if you look at how New England's utilized their running backs, we know that if there's a, a good defensive line or a decent rush defense, they generally will go to that James White, Shane Vereen type role and utilize them a little bit more. Um, I love Rex Burkhead, and he's going to be you know involved in the passing game. He might even play the slot. I love Rex Burkhead. He's not a bad play at all this week. It's just I think Jamal Williams has a really good opportunity to see a lot of volume um, and a lot of goal line touches as well just because they're supposed to score a decent amount of points. Yeah, g- give me the volume over whatever Burkhead's going to get because we don't really know. Uh, the next one, at the Billium 22, are the Bills the best team to stream defenses against this season? Yes. I mean, probably. Yes, I would say yes. Uh, next question at Blitz Picks: What area of fantasy football will experts overlook, and then question why they overlooked it four months from now? My guess is on the impact of coaching changes. Mm. Well, I mean, I think you could say that about any uh, any any year, right? I yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's one that everyone always points to. I think the other one is that people continuously overlook offensive situation and in, in players in good offenses just in general like there are there are guys that you know Alvin Kamara comes to mind it's a hindsight look but Alvin Kamara is 
a pass catching running back. I understand he was third on the depth chart last year, pass catching running back who fit the mold perfectly for the saints offense. And he was going being drafted in the eighth round, you know, and, and mm-hmm. looking back, it's like, why were we not more in tune with that situation? Right. Right. Yeah. I, I find, you know, when in doubt, get, get the guys on highly productive offenses that, you know, Packers, saints, Patriots, you know, you know, the drill. That's why my 16th transaction today on my 15 transactions podcast was to add Traquan Smith. I think that you just you, yeah. you take the chance. Like, what if he is really, really? He was a good prospect. Like, what if he's, what if he is that good? I mean, Cam Meredith's banged up. He's coming off a brutal injury. Ted Ginn's thirty three. Why can't Traycon Smith be the number three pass catcher on the Saint, in the Saints' offense this year? Dude, uh, Ted Ginn's the the starter, right? Yeah, like Traquan Smith can do that. And and be better, arguably. I, I think that he's, you know, it's 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 a good flyer if nothing else. Oh my God, Ted Ginn. Okay. Next one at Eric Belair, Mariota or live the stream in Week One. So Mariota gets Miami. That's tough. I think I'd go Dalton. I, um, I'm yeah. just afraid I, the matchup's definitely there for Mariota for the most part. Xavier um, Howard's really good, but I I worry. I worry about just the transition to this new offense. And the last time we saw Marcus Mariota, he wasn't playing that well. So I think it's risky. Yeah. I mean, it's in Miami. I, I know that doesn't really matter, but it, you know, we like our home and, and, and Tennessee's only one and a half point favorite. The, the total is okay. Um, uh, I read a headline that was disturbing. Like last week, it was like Mariota, you know, like picking up the offense. I was like, Oh, good, good. Yeah. Because, <laughs> The season is starting, so. Exactly. Uh, this next one is from at LG Zoro. What are your thoughts on taking your mobile device to the little boy's room to handle your business? Uh, is that is it legal not to? Yeah, I know. I didn't know that you that people didn't do that. The people who didn't do that, like, what are you what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, your 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 phone is covered in fecal germs. Yeah. Let, let's just be honest about sure. it. It's it is a total horror show of of, of fecal germs, uh, but uh, what you know you'll discover, and you may discover sooner rather than later, JJ, that the only peace and quiet that a parent can get in life is in in the bathroom with the phone. Yeah, I get really excited now every time I have to go. To the, I'm like, oh man, I have to go to the bathroom. I can hand this baby off right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. And as they get older, you'll be like, I'm sorry that I like, I got to go. That's it. You know, the, the coffee hit. Uh, Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) Uh, this last question, we only have one more. We're cutting it a little bit short this week just because it's a crazy one with labor day and whatnot. Um, but the last question is from at sad, sad Melander. Uh, it (laughs) says, I I, I hate that handle. I can never say that handle. Well, (laughs) I hate it. Uh, are people, so this is, this is an interesting discussion, Denny. Are people who frequently use Oxford commas all serial killers? Uh, well, I haven't done any killing lately, and I use it. Yeah. Okay. I so you you come from a, a writing background. I do. I I don't really. So I I am like like I think it's strange that people don't. Yeah. I I, I mean, like what what's tell tell me tell me the logic behind not using the Oxford comma. Um. I think that people would would argue Oxford comma haters would argue that the sentence doesn't like flow as naturally when you have that comma in there. Um, but you know, I read a lot and 
I that never trips me up. It never has. So I don't know. Yeah, but also you can run into more issues without using it than use it. at least using it is like the safe the, the safe move, no? I th- I feel I I can see that. Yeah, sure, sure. That's a good argument for it. I I I don't know. I'm trying to think of a of a of another circumstance that that might like be supportive of the Oxford comma, but uh, I don't know what way people. So this person thinks that people are crazy for using Oxford commas. Yeah, like serial killer status. Yeah, yeah. Are we in the minority? I I don't know. I I I thought that that Oxford commas were. I, I don't know. Would you say that you see it more often? Or well, or less often in writing. I mean, it it depends. Like the uh, the medium. It, it yeah, it varies from publication to publication. I mean, a lot a yeah. lot of publications they you know they have a very serious uh, a style guide that says you must use this the this this sort of comma or you must not. You know, so uh, so it really depends on on what publication you're reading. But uh, I I don't I don't know if it's if it's if it's in, increased over the years, it, it may have. But I, I know that people feel very strongly online about this. weren't we weren't we taught back when we were taught how to use commas to to use the Oxford comma? I, I feel like I was. I feel like I was. I think I was. <laughs> like I, I don't know. I just it's it seems so strange to me because, like I said, I think that it's like the safe thing to do because uh-huh. you're you're avoiding any any confusion, potential confusion. That's, that's yeah. my argument for it. I'm I'm with you. The Oxford using Oxford commas is a smart thing to do, as is streaming Andy Dalton this week. Denny, <laughs> why don't you let everyone know where they can find you? Very nice. Uh, at CD Carter thirteen on the Twitter. Uh, by the way, I posted this week's week one. Oh, this week, week the week one kicker column on the Living the Stream Patreon page. Uh, if you all would like to check it out, you can you can give as little as one dollar a month. Uh, sorry, you can't do sixty nine cents. I know you sickos would like to do that, but a, a buck a month and you get access to that along with other stuff. It's patreon.com slash living the stream. And you're on Twitter at CD Carter 18. That's right. Why, why are you ruining my brand right now? Just kidding. CD Carter 13. Uh, I'm on Twitter at late round QB. All my work over on numberfire.com. I have a new column coming out this week called The Report. And it should be interesting to see how people view this column. I have no idea how people are going to receive it. It sounds cryptic, and I want to see it. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. So that'll be out on Thursday, 15 Transactions. My weekly column that I've been doing for years came out today, Tuesday. So go check that out. And I'm on Twitter, at LateRoundQB. Denny, let's go get some milkshakes. Oh, a throwback. All right, let's do it. The throwback. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll catch you in week two. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out LakeGroundQB.com. Hope you come back soon as we share about the team.